The Center for Teaching and Learning is showcasing faculty innovations in and out of the classroom and creating space for faculty members to share ideas and learn from each other's experiences. This is one of a series of informal conversations where we ask a faculty member to describe their teaching innovations. Today, we're speaking with Mina Yosa, a teaching assistant professor in the biological and chemical sciences department of the College of Arts and Sciences. Mina started at New York Tech in September 2020. He makes extensive use of Canvas and Kahoot and is working with colleagues in BCS to redesign general chemistry one and two as part of our Everspring project. We'll probably talk about that a bit later. Before joining New York Tech, Mina was an undergraduate at Queens, Queens College. He then was a graduate student at NYU where he earned his PhD in chemistry and subsequently completed a postdoctoral teaching fellowship. Welcome Mina. Well, glad Thank to have you. Thank you much for having me. So what course is your absolute favorite to teach? Uh, I really love teaching introductory chemistry courses for undergraduates. Um, and I think the reason is because I get to, like, they, they sort of come to college and they, they might have some idea um, about their education and some idea about chemistry in general. Um, and a lot of them come having pretty bad experiences, either in high school chemistry or AP chemistry. Um, and, and it's really interesting to get this, this pretty diverse pool of students and just get to shape the way they think about uh, actually the universe on a molecular level, an atomic level. Um, and, and just depending on the, the group of students I get, so for example, this past year, I got the, the students in the BSDO program who are highly motivated and they're really excited to learn. Um, I can make a lot of connections For chemistry, uh, I could talk about uh, buffers in the human body, or if I get a different pool of students, I could talk about, um, you know, why we use salts on our roads when it snows or something like that. So the, the possibilities are really limitless and endless in, in terms of what I can relate, uh, chemically speaking, to what they see maybe in their everyday lives, which may be a bit harder um, as, you, as you move up and it gets really uh, specialized in terms of the course that's being taught and what, what you're actually discussing in class. There, unmuted. Um, yeah, I like teaching non-majors biology as well as majors biology because I like that challenge of making it relevant to them. Mm -hmm. Is there a teacher that you had or a student that you've taught that has changed your approach to teaching? Uh, so a, a teacher or, or someone who's who I've sat in the classroom and learned from is actually Professor uh, Marla Wolf at NYU. And uh, she's a neuroscientist by training and, and taught that at college, but she actually worked at NYU as, a, as an adjunct faculty member and led a two-semester-long course on preparing future faculty. So I took both those courses, and it was a really, really interesting experience because, of course, coming from grad school, um, I didn't really learn systematically how to teach. Of course, I, I was an adjunct, and I taught some labs and recitations here and there, but sitting in that classroom really introduced me to active learning techniques, uh, a student-centered classroom environment, uh, and just pedagogy in general. So it was a really, really interesting experience for me. I learned a lot from those two classes. But I'm learning in that I only joined New York Tech, you know, one, one year ago, but I'm learning that students actually teach me the most about teaching because 
I, I very frequently send them feedback requests and like Google Forms, and I have the end of semester evaluations as well. And so, you know, undergraduates are generally pretty good at communicating what works for them in terms of their learning, at least if they're being honest, right? And so I found that this feedback really allows me to make changes right away. And actually looking back, and so for example, if I'm if I'm conducting quizzes a certain way right now on Canvas and, and a student doesn't like it, they can vocalize that, I can make a, a slight change. And I noticed when I made some changes, whether it's giving them a bit more time or changing the type of questions being asked, um, they really, they, they, they see that happen in real time and they're very appreciative of that. And they feel like they actually are able to take control of their learning experience to some degree, which of course um, is something we always aspire to do, right? We want students to sort of be more independent thinkers and, and learners. Right. What kind of surveys do you give them? So uh, in the middle of the semester, I give them sort of a, uh, I forgot what it's called. It's like, what should I stop doing? What should I continue doing? Uh, that sort, sort of survey. Um, as well as I always give them a blank space and tell them to write anything additional that they feel like I should know. And then um, I also just take a look at the, the, the official NYIT evaluations as well, because um, that's a bit of more comprehensive and more directed. And so I use both of those really in combination with each other to see what I can be improving on, what I should change, and, and so on. I like that stop, start, continue. That's a good one. Um, when I teach, sometimes I'll set up a discussion board as anonymous. So the students have the option of posting anonymously, and I call it the suggestion box. And I'll go in there and ask questions. Someone mentioned this to me. What do the rest of you think? And we can have a conversation about what they like and what they don't like and what's helpful and what's not helpful. And they all have privacy, which they really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed for sure. Like everything should be uh, anonymous. Even if, even if the Google form has a cap as like, they have to be logged into their uh, school uh, ID, always, always make it anonymous. Cause I feel like they, they're always most comfortable with that. Yeah. How did you feel back in March, 2020 when we had to shift to remote teaching? It feels like that was forever ago. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I was a postdoc at the time. I was teaching. Uh, it was in my second semester as a postdoc. I was teaching two online labs as well as a material science seminar course. So it was really challenging. Um, but the way I felt about it was, of course, I never lived through a pandemic before. So I was like, okay, this is just an outbreak and, and hopefully just this way for a short amount of time. We'll kind of throw out the semester. We'll go back to normal and everything is just, we'll forget about this, these few months, you know, um, over the summer is very clear that wasn't going to happen. And so I had to really think about, you know, long-term um, what I'm going to do with the next year, you know, what implications might this have moving forward? Um, of course, the students that we get, um, they're moving on to become, you know, uh, doctors or, or nurses or physician assistants. So, you want to be preparing them for the future, right? It can't just be that, okay, we're going to just like get them through this course and then they're sort of lost in the future because that's not going to, of course, help them in the long term. So um, I think I was, I was overly optimistic in the beginning <laughs> in March 2020, um, but later on realized that, you know, with the uncertainty came the responsibility of being able to, to sort of tackle it head on and say, what are we going to do moving forward? How can we make it beneficial to the students? Right. And then you got here. We had a virtual new faculty orientation. 
and everything was remote. So how did you plan for a new institution? Yeah, I actually did not have much time to plan. Um, (laughs) Pretty much, um, actually, the last thing I did as a postdoc was wrap up a a teaching paper, actually. So we took um, the the feedback from basically the end of semester feedback from the spring semester, um, namely the things we tried to do. So interactive labs, use of breakout rooms. Um, We had a bunch of really cool activities that they did. So, for example, um, one activity was a shared Google uh, sheet that each breakout room would be working on simultaneously, but on different sections. And then in order for you to complete the lab, you had to actually use a different group's data. Of course, that caused some frustrations because groups work at different paces, but overall, the students really loved that. And that was something I never thought I would ever have to do in a lab, right? Usually it's just your lab group works, there's a lab report and all that stuff. Um, so I ba- we basically took all that, me and my team uh, took that, wrote a paper on it. And that was what really concluded my postdoc in, in the summer. And I, I had to jump in into, you know, NYIT. Um, and what I did to prepare was really, of course, besides all the disciplinary things, you know, general chemistry, uh, textbook and assignments, all these things, is just really get familiar with Canvas. I didn't want to use Blackboard because I knew the change was coming. And I saw a lot of uh, freedom in terms of how I can lay out my course with Canvas. So I spent pretty much full time for about a week, a week and a half learning about Canvas, setting up my course. And um, it was received very positively by my students, actually. They really, really loved the way the course was laid out uh, organizationally. And having the Canvas LMS not only as a thing for me to send announcements to my students, and not only for me to just upload my lecture notes, but a way to actually engage with the course outside of uh, Zoom synchronous class sessions or in-person synchronous class sessions. Can you tell me more about that? About the Canvas? Um, How were you using it to engage your students outside of class? Yeah, so basically I broke the course down into uh, modules. Every module roughly corresponded to a chapter that we were covering that semester. And basically we begin with an introduction. Here I might just ask a question like, how does... How is energy related to chemical reactions? And by then, they probably don't know too much about it because we haven't talked about it yet. And maybe just a picture of like something blowing up or a glass shattering or something interesting that they could just think about. And then, um, of course, we have the lecture pages as well. But there's also learning and knowledge checks that you can sort of strategically place on the pages, depending on how you want to ask them. I use videos a lot so I can embed a video on my lecture pages. I can uh, use memes a lot as well, which students always find uh, interesting. Um, so believe me, tons of chemistry memes out there, <laughs> um, bonds, equilibrium, periodic table, you name it. So uh, just keeping it light and, and just keeping it uh, interactive for the students that way. And what about labs? You mentioned you mentioned the challenge from the spring of doing labs virtually. What did you do this year? Yeah, so the, the labs were a big challenge. Um, Helena, who's, who's actually on this meeting as well, I worked with her and, and I got her insight. And we really just had to, we didn't want to completely throw away the general chemistry lab manual and just give them a bunch of random simulations because that doesn't really, we want to achieve the same objectives, right, uh, of this course. Because these students are, especially my students, BSDO students, they have to know certain things and they have to acquire a certain skill set. 
And even if they can't do that hands-on, we at least wanted to give them that opportunity to see how it's done and to answer questions and all that. So, uh, and, and Joe videos are, are very good, basically short conceptual uh, videos to get a, a concept through to students and they're very professionally made. Uh, they're edited very well. And I think they're engaging as well. My students enjoyed uh, watching them. Uh, they also have laboratory, uh, basically intro lab experiment videos as well, where you can actually see the steps uh, that a lab experiment would actually be carried through. And um, what we actually did was use those videos um, and, and tell the student, basically pretend you're the person recording this video and pretend that you're doing the experiment. So uh, some of those videos are nice because they tell you the mass of a substance that was used and you see the mass being added to a graduated cylinder, let's say, but they don't tell you the final, the final answer, you know, how much product you made or how much gas was evolved and that sort of thing. So the students still, even though they, they're watching a video, they can kind of still interact in that way and, and pretend they were doing the experiment. We also use lapster simulations, which are very interactive and, and very well done. You know, some glitches here and there, and sometimes you have to reset the simulation, all of that. But uh, overall, I, I think we really tried to do the best we could with what we had. And I think the students understand that. And, you know, that's where a lot of flexibility, I think, on both parts. Flexibility on my part, understanding limitations from these experiments. And flexibility, I think the students also understanding that this is not ideal, that hopefully in the future, you know, if they get an internship or if they're working in a lab, um, they'll have to really familiarize themselves with these things hands-on. This has been a really good year to teach about resilience. It really mm, has. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, you also were participating, still are participating in a project that we're doing with Everspring Partners, where we're taking the introductory high volume, high enrollment freshman courses and making um, sleeker online courses to accompany them. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? What did you learn? Through, what is the project? What are you doing with them? And what have you learned from that? Or what has surprised you? Yeah, so uh, a few of the uh, faculty members from our department are working with instructional designers from Everspring to develop these online courses. Um, these online courses, it, it's really meant to streamline the delivery of these courses. So anytime someone new gets hired or if an adjunct faculty member is teaching one of these courses, they're very high enrollment, um, especially the lab sections. Um, they would be basically inheriting a, since we're moving to Canvas, they would be inheriting a Canvas, uh, basically a copy of the Canvas course. And the way we've approached it was we want to give faculty members the freedom to still teach the way they would like to teach, but we want to give them that structure that they can use it if they would like. So we've basically built out uh, General Chemistry 1, Chem 110, and we're almost done with Chem uh, 150, General Chemistry 2. And we've tried our best to really um, provide the instructors with all the resources they would ever need to teach this course. So that includes videos, that includes uh, I was talking about knowledge checks, right? So students, uh, when they when they log into Canvas, they see this question, um, quizzes, discussion boards, all these things are already built into the course. And so I think it's going to give students a unified learning experience between different sections. But you're also going to get professors who may not want to, for example, a professor might not want to use a discussion board. Maybe they want to do poll everywhere, 
or use some some other type of technology. They have that freedom to actually explore and and use uh, Canvas in the way they see fit. Um, I think the thing I learned the most is that um, even though I've been using Canvas quite a bit and I was very comfortable with it, uh, there's always more to learn. And so uh, I, I learned most recently the use of this, this tool called a slider, where I can basically ask a question on the first uh, page. I, students can click next and they can see something else. Uh, for me, like I can import a video or I could put a picture and then you press next and maybe you can get the final answer to that question. So a student can sort of pace themselves and learn at their own leisure. For me, next semester, I'm gonna try using that um, to sort of formally assess my students. I'll basically have them work through problems and submit their answers on Canvas, and then that'll be an ungraded exercise. They'll get to see the answer later on, and they can you know, see where they stand on that concept. And, and tons of other tools you know, that Canvas can provide, and, and I'm always learning. I'm pretty excited, though, because um, this is, I think this is the first time I'm using an LMS as something that actually helps in teaching and learning. It, it sort of makes my job, um, maybe it's a bit more involved, but I think in the long run, I'll actually see a lot of success in terms of uh, how students were able to learn as opposed to just sitting in lecture maybe twice a week for X amount of time. What are your students telling you about it? Yeah, so my students, uh, I actually asked them specifically about our use of the LMS last, that was one of the questions I asked them about in the end of semester feedback last semester, um, as well as the mid-semester feedback this semester. And both times I, I got a lot of really positive feedback in terms of how this course was structured. So the students really liked the use of modules where the modules correspond to chapters. They really like that for me personally, what I do is I break up uh, in each module, there could be you know, maybe two classes or three classes dedicated to that specific chapter. So I'll include in that module three lecture pages or, or three class pages. And they really love that on each of those class pages, basically all the content associated with that topic is on that page. So the knowledge checks, the, the videos, the pictures, uh, any questions, uh, objectives, readings, the lecture recording itself, the slides, everything is on that one page for them that they can always refer back to. Um, and they really like, uh, I've had a very positive response in terms of uh, quizzes as well. So not too many technical issues with quizzes online. Uh, my exams are also online for this semester. Uh, that might not be ideal, but um, overall, I, I've had a very pleasant experience with it. Moving, and moving forward, I'm definitely going to continue you know, building on what I have and, and making it better. That's great. Um, this is... This next question, when I when I think about this question, I'm thinking about being in a room with my students. So let's see how it goes. Um, sometimes in class, you get this moment where it's everything just comes together beautifully and it's almost magical. And the students are fully engaged and you're fully engaged. And it's it's almost as if the entire room has gone into a flow state. Mm -hmm. Tell us about one of those moments. So the most, these things actually happen, I think, with me when I least expect them. Because very rarely, very rarely do I go into a class and say, oh, this is the class where everyone's going to get everything and it's going to be great and we're all going to go home <laughs> understanding things. Um, 
for me, this actually happened uh, last semester. I was teaching, uh, it was general chemistry one. We were learning about uh, a, a structure, molecular structure. And what I really wanted to do was have everyone come into class, show them a molecular model, this three-dimensional thing that they can touch and, and feel and, and see uh, how things are oriented in three dimensions and, and hopefully understand it that way. Of course, they were all at home on Zoom, so we didn't do that. Uh, and I had some issues getting uh, a model kit myself. So I, I, I went into class thinking this is going to be very, very tough. They're not going to understand, you know, even though they're going to have done the reading and they know the quiz is coming up next week, it's just going to be a very tough experience. But actually, the students actually responded very, very positively. Uh, it turns out that what I had done was, which I didn't know was going to be this effective, but I guess it was, uh, I, I gave them a link to the OpenStax textbook which I felt describes the material a lot better than the textbook that we're using at the moment. Department-wide, we're using a Cengage textbook. Um, and, and it turns out that was great. It worked very well for them. Uh, the images, they basically got to see uh, different renderings of the molecules in three dimensions, and that helped them a lot. And I don't know, something just happened where it clicked for the students, and I did get questions, but they were uh, they were very good questions, actually. Got them thinking about, about reactions. We hadn't even started talking about reactions at that time. They were saying, well, if a molecule is oriented this way and this one looks this way, when they collide, how are they going to, you know, what's going to happen? And, and they were just asking questions that I, I hadn't anticipated. But it was great because they were thinking about those things, right? And they were they were excited. So, uh, you know, when I see a student excited and, and understanding something that I didn't even really describe, it means... To me, it shows that they, they did the reading, they, they input that time, right? And they came to class ready to learn and they're excited about it. And to me, that's you know infinitely <laughs> much nicer to see than a student coming to class saying, oh yeah, I wanna be a doctor, I'm here because I need that A. And that's the end of the story. And they get that A and they move forward. To have a student who's, who's really engaged and really motivated to learn and excited to learn chemistries, is why is why I'm doing it at least. It sounds like you had them thinking like chemists. Yeah, for sure, and that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you think we're going to keep as we, as the pandemic, hopefully turns into an epidemic and then subsides? What do you think will stick around from this time? I I really really think the use of LMS software. For us, Canvas is it's going to be it's here. I know we it's here to stay, right? We're all going to be using it, but I believe it's here to stay in a way that's different than previously used. So I, I think if if we're going to effectively use LMSs to to bolster teaching and learning, it's going to go beyond just posting the slides and announcements. And I and I from my undergraduate experience, that's all Blackboard was used for. Even as a grad student, that's really all. Uh, we had a different version of Blackboard, but basically the same software. Um, it was just announcements and bookkeeping. I, I feel like now, and I actually, I, I don't know if Blackboard has the same capabilities as Canvas. I'd, I'd have a hard time believing because I never saw it myself. But Canvas is so, um, it's so, uh, what's the word, malleable, in that I can really do whatever I want with it. And, and I can, you know, I might be teaching the same course semester to semester, but I can have a different pool of students, right? So I might want to uh, organize Canvas in a different way. I might not want to put the knowledge checks 
uh, on lecture pages, maybe I want to give it as a recap to students. So I put on the recap pages. Uh, maybe I want the students to have links for, so right now I have BSDO students. So I'm putting videos that correspond to, to health and to medicine. Maybe next semester, if I'm teaching um, environmental chemistry, I could put videos, the same exact content, but now different types of applications, right? And they are all present there on the same exact page as the, as the content that I was taught, was teaching in class. So um, I think we're really headed towards a direction where students are going to be looking or taking information from the LMS and directly applying it to their to the learning experience, as opposed to just going there for announcements. You've been experimenting with the learning glass also. Yes. Can so, you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, just lat I mean, learning glass has been around for a while. Um, other institutions also call them light boards. And I came across a paper in the Journal of Chemical Education where I forgot the name of the, the university, but a school in Australia basically used these uh, short videos as an engaging way to, to teach concepts. And it was for an organic chemistry class uh, for the health professions. And what's really cool about the learning glass is you're basically situated behind this transparent piece of glass and you typically it's LED illuminated and you write on it with neon markers and the students basically see you working in real time. And what's really cool about this is contrast that with writing on a, on a whiteboard or a blackboard or even a smart board. You turn your back to the students, right? And they see your back and they write while you're writing maybe. Also, if you're writing on a piece of paper or a tablet um, or a document camera, you're, you're in front of them, but you're also looking down, right? And you're writing down on your, on your tablet or piece of paper and they're also maybe writing at the same time. What's really cool about the learning glass is they see you writing in real time and you're looking at them, right? Because you're recording yourself you, and, you, and they can see through the piece of glass. So it's, it's really cool. It's really, for me, it's fun to make these videos and, and share them with students. And we have this technology here, right? At, at New York Tech. So um, I'll be working this summer and making a lot of these videos and I'll be implementing them in the fall. And uh, again, I'll be polling my students, seeing what they think about it, making changes as needed. and um, and that can be integrated directly into Canvas as well. So I mentioned sliders before, right? What I could do is, is ask a question on the first page. I'll, I'll ask a question and give them some time, and they can take some time to look at it. And the next page could be an explanation of the concept or what they really should be keeping in mind. And the final page of that slider could be the actual learning glass video where they see me solving in real time. And that could be a way of just um, them seeing how I could tackle a more complex problem or how I tackle a problem that's more involved that we don't have time for in class. So it's a way to sort of not necessarily flip the classroom, but extend the learning to, uh, to something that they're doing at home. Nice. The other thing you might want to play with, you could put these videos into Canvas Studio mm -hmm. and you can incorporate them into an assignment and add questions in the video. Yes, yes. That's, a, that's right. something I also did not know I could do until working with the instructional designer, where we can strategically place, place these like uh, these knowledge checks in the actual videos. And that's really awesome as well. Um, let's see. Helena, do you have any questions for Mina? You're welcome. Nope. Um, so I always like to wrap up these conversations with a recommendation. 
Is there a particular app or technology tool that you find makes teaching and learning better or streamlines your preparation or your grading? Yeah, so something I actually experimented with uh, this past semester and it carried over to this semester was the use of Kahoot quizzes. And Kahoot's actually been around for a very long time. I only found out about it this past summer. Um, and, and, and they use it for like K to 12 learning as well. So uh, it might be a little interesting to hear that I'm doing it for college, but um, a lot of undergraduate institutions use Kahoot quizzes to formatively assess their students. But as far as I know, this hasn't really been established in the chemistry as, as a discipline. So I tried to, in the fall semester, use Kahoot quizzes as a replacement for actual quizzes because they weren't gonna be here in person and because um, their exams were already on Canvas. So I wanted to try something different. And um, surprisingly, students really, really hated it in the beginning. <laughs> and then they really, really loved it at the end. They hated it because it's timed, right? And it's, it's synchronous. So of course they have to be like engaged, have to be ready to answer this question. It's 5% of my grade, which, you know, it's, it's not that much in the grand scheme of things, but still uh, they're very motivated to get that A. So they were very stressed and very anxious in the beginning, but as they got used to it, they, they really loved it. And so one- Why did they love it? I'm sorry, why did they love it? Why, why did they love it? What yeah, so I think they loved it because <clears throat> I, I sort of asked questions, well, some questions were pretty straightforward, but other questions were, were worded in a way that really gets them thinking about the concept. And so even if they got it wrong, they were telling me they would rather get it wrong in a Kahoot quiz than get it wrong on the exam or the final exam. So they really used it. It wasn't only a way for me to formatively assess my students, but it was a way for them to assess themselves. So like, hey, if I got this question wrong, well, that means I don't understand this concept properly. So I'll come to office hours or I'll, you know, read afterwards. A change that I did this semester was I actually made the Kahoot quizzes ungraded. And I'm getting the same exact feedback, actually. They still like the Kahoot quizzes. And of course, they feel less anxious because it's not tied to their grade, but they're still using it as a way to assess their learning. And I'm still having students email me, hey, that Kahoot question, like, how come how come the free energy was negative, not positive? How come entropy is increasing? All these, all these questions, it means they're actually thinking about uh, what I'm asking them and they're actually taking, you know, they're, they're using it as a way to actually, you know, bolster their learning. If they're getting all the questions about equilibrium, right? That means they probably have a solid handle on that topic, right? And they're spending more time on the ones that, on the topics that they're getting wrong on these Kahoot quizzes. So I think that's here to stay for me personally. I'm gonna definitely continue using these and and seeing how, how I can continue to implement them in my courses. That is terrific. Mina, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. We've been speaking with Mina Yosef, teaching assistant professor in biological and chemical sciences in the College of Arts and Sciences. as part of our great teaching series. This conversation has been recorded and will be available on the Center for Teaching and Learning webpage, nyit.edu ctl. If you would like to be featured in the Great Teaching Series, please email the Center for Teaching and Learning at ctl at nyit.edu, or better yet, fill out the form at bit.ly slash great-teaching. Thank you.